Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so excited about our guest today. He offers something that I think people that are dealing with grief and loss really need to know about and don't always think of. And that has to do with unconditional love. And our our podcast is Grief and Happiness. And people often say to me when I, I tell them the name of my podcast, well, those things don't seem to go together. Yet they do. And Coot's story is absolutely amazing, and I think he can tell us some things along the way. Good morning. Aloha, Coot. I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. I just finished reading your book, The The Magic of Surrender, and Ah, just in the beginning phases of, no, I can't remember the name of it. Um, The first one. The first one. Yes, you are the one. You are the one. You are the one. <laughs> yes, yes. I I love that too. And I, I can't wait to finish the rest of it. But I, I love the whole idea of how you look at things. And, and the idea of, of surrender is, is something that I think people who are dealing with grief avoid. So what would you like to say about that? I, I think there really is no true authentic surrender without grieving and that grieving is the doorway and the portal to surrender many people get stuck in acceptance accepting what is accepting what is except you know it is what it is he is what he is my husband is what he is life is what it is but without truly allowing the process of grieving, which is often a dimension of experience and feeling that in the self-help spiritual field is missed, that open-hearted, authentic surrender uh, doesn't happen. And I think many times we're afraid to, to grieve because we're afraid that if we grieve, uh, it will never end. We're afraid that if we grieve, it will last forever. We're afraid that if we grieve, we won't be able to handle it. We're afraid that if we, sometimes we do a spiritual bypass and we're afraid that if we grieve, like, oh, the law of attraction have to stay in a happy, positive vibration. And then we suppress the grief, not realizing that all feelings remain present till fully felt. And so by suppressing the grief, we actually, you know, keep that energy stored inside of our psyche and our body and our physiology and we're much more likely to attract and manifest uh, experiences and situations to actually re-experience the grief that we haven't allowed ourselves to process through and really release and let go of. Sometimes we also, I found, and this is an interesting kind of unconscious payoff, don't allow ourselves to truly feel the grief fully and honor the grief fully as a conscious or even unconscious way to not let go. Because it's like, if I really feel the grief of my mother passing or the end of a relationship, and I feel that, 
uh-oh, that, that like I, I might actually let go of it. But if I don't feel the grief, then I suppress it. I don't acknowledge the grief. Then maybe I don't have to really acknowledge that this person has died or this is over or this relationship is really over. If I just don't acknowledge the grief, not realizing that we we keep ourselves stuck. And so I think it's interesting you talk about grief and happiness. Like I really believe that without uh, the degree to which we suppress our grieving is also the degree to which we limit our happiness and our joy on the spectrum because it's just energy. And so, so I think grieving is, is such a profound, important portal uh, to surrender. And, and, you know, in my book, I talked about my mother passing away. My mother passed away in 2016. And it was such a profound process and experience. And we can speak about other aspects of it. But the, the, part, is, the part that I want to just highlight as we begin is when she passed away, there was, you know, and I was in surrender and I was, you know, relatively at peace with knowing that this was going to happen and I had a year to prepare. And I think one of the things that allowed me to process and move through uh, in a relatively quick timeline was I allowed myself and, and gave myself permission to feel the grief and to feel all of the feelings and to allow all of those emotions. And I would have these grief sessions, you know? And, and, and for me, the grieving isn't wallowing. It is, it is the conscious, aware experiencing of the feeling. And so I would give myself these grieving sessions, maybe an hour or two at night, you know? It wasn't like I just stopped my day, but an hour or two at night, I would just let it rip, you know? and 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 emotions, feelings, writing, tears, whatever was present, however the grief wanted to express. And it was really powerful. And something really powerful happened for me in the grieving where as I would let myself be with the grief of the loss, the grief of her passing, it was as though as I, was, as I would feel the, the, the feelings, maybe there were tears, it was as though my heart would break. And in that heartbreak, something really interesting happened where it was like my heart broke and the current shape of my heart broke open and then there was more love. And so it was like the grief kind of allowed the process for the expansion of my heart and more love in the process, in the tears. And so it was like breaking open to more love and then there was more love and then there was another... And, you know, grief happens, as you know, in, in layers and in stages. It doesn't have to happen all at once. And so then there was another layer of grief. And then my, the shape of my heart would crack open even more. And then there was more, more capacity to more capacity in love for my mother, more capacity in love in my own inner muscle to feel love for those around me, compassion for those around me. So it was really profound. And I think through the grieving, we learn, I learned, we learn that there is a greater courage and strength that we find in the grieving and allowing our heart to break open. Because in that breaking open, we experience that we can never truly be broken. And it's only through the grieving and going through the breaking open that we find a deeper, that it takes a deeper strength to grieve than to hold on and stuff it in and stuff it up and, you know, disconnect and, and, and to break open and still feel like 
I made it through. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm, I'm still here. Like, wow, there is a spirit, a something inside of me that can't be broken even through the grief is a, I think, arises a profound strength inside. And so I think grieving is, is a really profound portal to surrender that most spiritual self-help practices don't talk about and we tend to avoid, but there is no authentic surrender without grief because, you know, surrender is a death. It's mm-hmm. a death of an idea. It's a death of who we thought we were. It's a death of a vision. It's a death of an old version of ourselves. It's a death of a phase. It's a death of a stage of our lives. It's a death of, you know, some aspect of our youth. It's a death of dreams unfulfilled. It's a death of something. And so to truly be able to open your heart and let go and surrender and open to the new requires grieving, which allows us to honor who we are, where we were, what was, so that we can let that go. And one thing that I think might be helpful for people, you know, and when we don't allow ourselves to grieve, there's always a part of our hearts that is kind of like closed, a part of our hearts that 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 is carrying old energy that we're not truly able to, to open our hearts to the new and, and, and to the new possibilities, to new love, to new relationships, because there's a part of us that's still holding on or protecting or carrying sort of old weight, old energy in some way. And so I think what helped me what has helped my clients, what I think can help people is, you know, sometimes people tell me, but I've been grieving and I've been, I've been surrendering and I've been grieving and I've been feeling so much pain and it just never ends. Many times I think we, we think that we are truly feeling the grief, but we're actually thinking about the feeling or wallowing and thinking and thinking about the grieving or thinking about the feeling I think is not really truly feeling it. I think when we truly feel the grieving fully, the energy and that cycle of that, that energy of grieving can complete and there might be many layers. And so what I just invite people to do that has helped me is take, even take the label off, take the name of grieving or take the label off and just allow yourself to experience the sensation. Grief, okay, the sensation of grief in in your body. And if you allow yourself to experience the sensation of grieving without label, without judgment, without any preconceived idea, you'll notice it has a sensation and it has its own cycle. And when you can just be with the sensation without even trying to get rid of it or push it away or avoid it or suppress it or analyze it, and you just fully be with it and allow, notice what happens, what I found is often the grieving has a cycle and then also a layer of that grieving can dissolve. And so I think that's when we truly feel our feelings of grief fully in a way rather than analyzing. And so I think surrender, acceptance, like the, in terms of the process of surrender, I would say like the first, let's just say the first stages were unconscious. Then we move into like denial. Then we move into kind of like, okay, knowing we need to change or knowing some things need to shift, then we maybe we start resisting. Then we start like negotiating our reality. Then we move into acceptance. Then we move into grieving. In the grieving, we can release and let go. And then we can move into true open-hearted surrender. 
you know, and, and trust and flow and openness and the miraculous. And so, you know, one last thing I would just say about surrender to, to maybe set the frame for the conversation is, you know, I think in our culture today, there is a misconception that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender is like giving up, waving the white flag, that if you surrender, you're going, you're going to get left behind. If you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, dreams, or desires, that if you surrender, you're going to get less in life. And I just want to, to create a new paradigm of possibility of surrender that like, what if you surrender and you didn't get less, but you got more, you know, more, maybe not what you expected, but more than you could imagine with your conscious intention and awareness, more than you could have intended for yourself. What if you got more? And, and so we all want, we all want the more, we all want the magic, but there is no true magic without surrender. And, and, and so part of surrender requires a letting go of ideas, a letting go of control, or I should say the illusion of control. Part of surrender requires a letting go of, it requires us to stop trying to force life to fit our limited idea of who we think we should be and how we think life should be a giving up of that, you know, preconceived idea. So when it requires us truly letting go and in that letting go, we become available and, and open, truly open to more open to possibilities, open to the new. And so I think sometimes we're afraid of that because the ego wants to protect itself to prevent us from getting hurt again, to reinforce our kind of sense of existence and identity. But I do believe that, I really feel in my heart that surrender is perhaps the most powerful thing we can do as human beings. You know, if you look at the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Mandela, at some point, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, you know, they, they all surrendered themselves uh, to, to life to the universe, to their soul, to their mission, to a, a purpose that was bigger than themselves. And in that surrender, they were able to transcend their own human limitations. And they tap into another dimension of their potential that was beyond their personality. And, and that's when I think the magic and life, you know, started to flow through them and was able to use them in ways that they couldn't even imagine. And so uh, those are just a few thoughts to begin a conversation. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot of really wonderful thoughts. And you you made me think, too, of a couple things. That in our society today, we have so much lack of knowledge, lack of understanding about death yes. and, and grief. And you'll have things like people who are working will have their boss tell them they have to come back in two days or they don't need time off to go to the funeral. That I've heard people telling me that. And when they have that, they get have the perception that there's there's something wrong with them because they're not better yet. They're, they're yeah. not over yeah. it. They're not okay. And I, I think a lot of that comes, well, first from not talking about it so people don't really understand what, what happens when you're dealing with grief and loss. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is fear, that people are so afraid of death in general, afraid of being without their loved one, mm. not being able to handle things and, and not knowing what's going to come next or come to them for the rest of their lives because their whole life changed. And I, I really 
my belief is you, you have to find a way to release that fear so that you can get to that point that that's kind of the surrender part for me so that you can get that to that point of love, the unconditional yes, love. Yes. 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 Does that make Absolute. sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an alignment. It's a, it's definitely an alignment. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's a, a surrendering to as opposed to a surrendering away from something like you're surrendering to love mm. instead of. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think it, it's, it's not a, the way I see it, it's not a surrendering to something outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a surrendering to the authentic essence of what you are. Truly, you know, it's a surrendering, like, like to love can sound to some people, it's just true. You're surrendering to, let's say, love. But, but what we also get to realize is that we are love. And mm-hmm. so we get to surrender, not just to love, but we get to surrender the illusion that we are anything but love and surrender the illusion of our own illusion of separation that we are just this body, just this physical body, that we are separate from each other, that we are separate from nature, that we are separate from the divine. And, and, and it's a surrendering the illusion to the deeper reality of what we truly are. And, and, and so I think part of why surrender can feel, see, I believe that surrender is our natural state. And I really do believe that it's not really a question for us as human beings, are we going to surrender or not? Because life is a process of surrender. We're born, we grow, we start aging. It's life. And, and, and so life is a process of surrender. And so to me, it becomes more about not if we're going to surrender, but how are we going to participate in the process of life that is surrender? Because it's just unavoidable stuff happens death happens life happens disease happens just things happen and so much of which is not in our control and so i think surrender too before i'm about to say what i'm about to say is surrender is our natural state we've just been conditioned out of it from childhood you know it's like and so i want to kind of just say like surrender is easy doesn't seem that way. Some people may be saying surrender is easy. I, you know, like surrender is easy. It's effortless because I, for those listening, I'm holding my fist. I'm clenching my fist. I'm holding a pen. And we let, so we've been conditioned to, to contract and hold so tightly as a way of controlling life and controlling our experiences and controlling everything. And we've become this sort of tight fisted individual as a person, you know, and, 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 it takes a lot of energy to make this fist, but we've done it for so long that it starts feeling normal. It starts feeling normal, even though it's not natural. And so the holding on posture as a way of being starts feeling normal for us because we've been conditioned to function and survive. And, and, and so when I say surrender, it's, it's a letting go, it's a, dro- a dropping of that pen, right? It's, it's a letting go. How natural is that? And so part of why surrender can feel scary and why we resist is we have been conditioned to identify ourselves as 
this limited mind-body mechanism, otherwise known as ego. And we have been so conditioned to believe that we are this limited little ego structure and society reinforces that, media reinforces that, advertising reinforces that, all of life reinforces you are this little ego, this mind-body mechanism and this body, this is what you are. And we hold so tightly to that. And so for the ego, surrender can feel terrifying. And so the ego which is our perceived sense of self that we identify with based on name, body, past, history, memories, emotions, experiences. And the degree to which we hold on to is the degree to which we're an ego. And for the ego, the ego's job, the ego is a set pattern and construct. The ego's job is to reinforce its existence. And the ego's job is to protect us from getting hurt and getting hurt again like we were hurt when we were young. And so for the ego, surrender is terrifying. When you say let go and surrender, for the ego, it feels like a death. And so what we tend to do our entire lives is to run away and resist surrender, to resist what is natural to us, to resist what we are. If you look at a child, a child knows, a child doesn't have to be taught surrender. A child is just being surrender. You know, a child will run naked through the garden doesn't care, like, what do I look like? What do people think? What, how do I look on Instagram, on social media? It's just like, am I fat? Am I, it's just be, a child will sing, totally free, unselfconscious, surrendered to the, a child will cry when it feels like crying, poop when it feels like pooping, you know, scream. It's just being in the flow, in touch with its own essence of love. So when we look into a child's eyes, we are reminded of what we are. So a child is surrendered. The challenge of what happens and how kind of ego gets created is we're born, these whole perfect you know, beings. We meet our parents. Our parents, they're just doing the best that they can do based on their childhood and their conditioning and their you know, up- upbringing. So now we're born into a kind of like a ancestral preset framework of conditioning and patterns and archetypes. And maybe dad was crazy. Maybe mom was an alcoholic. Maybe they were fighting all the time. A lot of heightened emotion, instability. Maybe they were just amazing people, but they didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. And so as children, two things happen. The first thing is we learn to shut down and disconnect. Shut down, disconnect, not feel the pain of what is going on around us. Shut down, disconnect, not feel, not feel, not feel, not feel. Don't feel the grief. Don't feel the pain. Don't feel the sadness. Don't feel those emotions. Suppress, suppress. And all of these suppressed emotions that we've learned to control, to not feel, to function and survive, kind of like starts covering up our natural light, our natural essence. And we develop all sorts of mechanisms, walls that we erect around our heart to not feel the pain. And now we take that contracted way of being into life as a survival mechanism worked for us when we were five, but now we're 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50. We're still disconnected, shutting down parts of ourselves in order to never feel that pain again. It's ego, not good or bad. It's just a mechanism that we got conditioned and learned to be. And I think, talk about grief. I actually think that sometimes we have grief that we're not even aware of and conscious of. Because, not because like someone died, but because of we've so disconnected from parts of ourselves, we've so shut down and lost touch with parts of ourselves, the joy, 
the innocence, the aliveness, the, you know, the, the capacity to love as a protection mechanism, that there is a kind of subtle grief that we carry deep down that we don't even know we have the grief. And if you ask someone, do you have grief? They'll, they'll say, no, I'm fine. But there's a layer of grief there that sometimes we're not even in touch with. And so ego starts getting created as a mechanism to avoid pain, but also we start developing all sorts of roles and masks and personas, a way to, who do I need to be in order to get love and validation and approval? And if I'm good, daddy loves me. If I sing and I'm happy all the time, daddy loves me. If I don't feel negative, you know, mom loves me. So we start contorting ourselves again into a shape to get love, validation, approval, roles, masks, personas, characters that we develop, that we end up contorting ourselves thinking that's who we are not realizing that who we've become is a, is a pattern, a constructed pattern of conditioned responses that we hold tightly to, to avoid pain and get love. And we think this is who we are. We, we say to ourselves, no, this is who I am. And, and the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free. The degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not truly free to open and feel and love and feel and feel the joy. And so the ego's job is to avoid the pain. In avoiding the pain, we sometimes limit our willingness to feel the grieving and limit our willing our ability to feel joy. And so I think we first have to just begin by realizing that we are not this set pattern, this, this, this identified persona that we believe ourselves to be. We also, I think, have to start realizing that the ego, our perceived sense of what we thought ourselves was, which is what we get to surrender our identification of as surrendering that attachment to meanness, I think, which can feel like a death. And so that's another grief of like, wow, I'm not this person I thought I was. And, and, and so I think what we get to realize is in true understanding of what we are and the nature of reality it can change our relationship to life, our relationship to ourselves. So when we start understanding the nature of the ego, when we start understanding that ego meant well, when we start understanding that it's trying to protect us, it doesn't mean anything wrong. It's not trying to resist because it's being difficult. It's just trying to help us and be our friend and keep us safe. When we can understand that, then we, then we can maybe begin to realize that we're not it and hold the pattern of ego which we previously identified as ourselves in the light and space of compassion. And when we can meet ourselves with awareness and observe the ego and meet ourselves with awareness and compassion, then the ego can begin to relax. And in that relaxation, a letting go of old identities and personas. And then there's, there's the safety to maybe begin feeling the pain and the grief and the hurt and surrender can begin happening, you know, in that in that new relationship with ourselves. So I'll leave it there. That's it's such a beautiful way to put it. I know for me, I allowed my ego to kind of run my life for most of my mm -hmm. earlier years, and when I finally got, I, I use this phrase that I kept getting in my own way. I realized yes. it wasn't me getting in my own way. It was this deal with my ego going on. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I made a real effort to befriend my ego and say, I see what you're doing. Thank you. But I've yes. got this. Yes. Yes. 
And and by doing that, every time I start to to get off that that path, or I recognize that I'm getting off the the way that my life is best, I can see that the ego is is what's uh, sitting there in the, the back seat saying, "Well, you can't do that, or you're not that good, or you're too mm-hmm. tall, or you you know <laughs> all those little things." And I'll say, "Well, yeah, that's your opinion, and I I appreciate you sharing, but I'm okay, you know." <laughs> It it just that's how it's worked for me to be able to to deal with ego and boy have I felt lighter yeah. since I started looking at things that way and yeah. I I have have a really positive life I really feel like I'm living at this point in my life in a, in a state of unconditional love always and by doing that i can't help but feel good so it doesn't mean that that things don't make me sad sometimes but yeah. in in general my life is really good and i think people who are especially at the early stages of of when they're dealing with grief and loss they think they're never going to feel good again yes yes and yes. if there's a there's a way that we can let them know that they can yeah, you know, for me, when my mother passed away, it was it was it was so excruciatingly intense and beautiful at the same time mm-hmm. in a strange way. And 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 I remember in the beginning there were waves of grief, waves of grief, waves of grief. Wave, and then it does pass. Mm-hmm. You know, it really does pass, and and with time. And but but I think the only way out is through mm-hmm. is through the grief and so i would say it does pass no feelings last forever every feeling no matter how painful has a cycle and for me the quickest way th- through it is through it mm-hmm. and, and 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 so i think what we tend to do in our culture is because we're not really taught how to be with our feelings we're not really taught how to deal with our feelings, you know. We're, like maybe as children, we were taught like, "Shut up, be quiet, boys, don't cry," or or you switch on the TV. You don't see in a commercial that says, "You feel some grief, feel some sadness." Yeah, feel your feelings. No, we you feel you feel pain. Here's a pill that will you know dissolve that. There might be seven thousand side effects, but you won't feel the pain anymore. And so, in so many ways there's not a context to feel our feelings. And so I just want to reassure people that all feelings that we fully feel with awareness dissolve. Mm-hmm. No feelings are permanent. And so when I really felt my feelings around my mother's passing, grief has its cycles. Grief has its layers. There's a layer. There's another layer. There's another layer. There's another layer. Maybe another week, there's another layer. There's no timeline on it, but it will pass that energy will pass and there is a, a new texture of feeling that, that opens up, a new joy that opens up. And so, you know, for me, even in any end of relationship or heartbreak, there's sometimes we think it will never end. It will never end. And, and, and so it will. And, and I think our hearts, we are so much more resilient and strong than we give ourselves credit for as human beings. You know, and so I just say no feeling lost forever. And and there is more when we allow ourselves to feel the feelings fully and release them, 
we expand and open to the joy. And that's what's on the other side, for sure. And it's available. No, oh, it is. And it's so, so wonderful when you get there. I know that the, I do a group every week or facilitate a group every week for the Grief and Happiness Alliance. And we'll wow. spend the first part of it writing and sharing our writing and what we're talking about. And it gets kind of kind of deep when you're, you're dealing with what you're experiencing. But we always end the the session with a happiness practice, something that they can do and kind of lift themselves up so that they're not just people stew on their grief. You know, they just get it so that they can't get beyond or get out of their head with it. And if you can give them something else, they can find something else to uh, lighten things up and see see the beauty of the world, see the the beauty of a relationship. I, I just saw a really tiny baby this morning and you just can't help but smile hmm. when when you see something that's that's just really beautiful and precious. But a lot of people who are dealing with grief and loss won't allow themselves to smile because they feel guilty. They feel like they shouldn't do that. How could they possibly be happy when their loved one's gone? Hmm. And I, I always tell them their loved one's always still there in their heart. They, yes. they don't... Uh, you know, what, 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 what was so interesting that, that, that you just triggered the thought was, I remember when my mother passed away, it was a strange thing. I ended up feeling closer to her mm-hmm. when she was gone than even when she was alive. And I was very close to her. And, and, and so what was strange is the real essence of the relationship with another is not simply the physical. hmm and the more we are identified with ourselves as an ego, the more we tend to identify with not another as an ego. And so that when the form changes, we think they're gone. But, but if I were to ask you or anyone listening, like if you think about your father, your mother, that person, where do they exist? The truth is they exist within you. Mm-hmm. That relationship with them is within you. And so at that level, they are always present. They are always alive within you. Your relationship with that person within yourself is always there. My mother said something. And so all forms will change in life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something we have to accept. But forms change. But the love and the connection you know, lasts forever. And so when my mother passed away, before she passed away, I got to spend the year with her. And I was flying back and forth from Los Angeles to London every month for a week, which was intense, Mm -hmm. just to be with her. And I got to spend eight to 10 hours each month in chemo sessions with my mother, holding her hand, talking with her about nothing and everything. And about six months into this process, the doctors finally said, look, there's nothing we can do for you. So get your affairs in order. Could be days, weeks or months. And I looked my mother in the eyes and I said to her two things. The first thing was, are you afraid? And my mother's a Japanese, little Japanese woman. She said, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not just this body, that this body is a temporary vehicle for my soul and that what I am beyond birth, beyond death. And so even when this body, this body will go, but what I am will always be present and I will always be with you. And so I really believe that even though the form of our loved ones change, the connection, the love, the spirit 
It's always there. We're always connected to them. And that relationship, even though it's not in the physical, can it's like transform into a new room. Like, for instance, I was speaking to someone the other day and I was like, well, where does your father exist? She said, oh, my father was in, you know, I gave a country, but my father was in Mexico and she was not living in Mexico. So on some level, he's in a different room. And so a similar analogy is, okay, when, I, when our loved one is on this planet, we're in the same room and maybe they pass the form, passes away, they move into a different dimension, a different room. But that doesn't mean they're still not there. And so the connection is, is always available. The connection is always there. I think we just have to close our eyes and feel them. And yes, we, we may not touch them physically, but for me, I was able to feel the relationship and the connection with my mother because now my connection and relationship with her wasn't just based on the physicality. It wasn't limited to the physical. It was now, there were now no limits to it. And so I somehow was able to feel a, like who she really was. You know? And when I felt who she really was, there was so much love there that she was that perhaps I was so focused on the physical that I wasn't in touch with how much love she was. And it was so profound that, that the relationship takes on a different dimension and a different quality, which is as beautiful, if not more, but different. And so, you know, I believe that our loved one's always with us and guiding us from the other side, you know, and I felt my mother's, even when she passed away, guiding me from the other side in, her energy, her, her example, but her spirit guiding from the other side in a profound way. So I think we just have to be open to that, truly. Yeah, and, and, and notice it. Notice it while, while you can. I know my relationship with my mom wasn't that great because she was always busy, always, she just didn't, she never seemed happy. She always had something that, that was holding her back somehow. And when she got diagnosed with a brain tumor it at first we cried a lot together and then she got happy she started smiling and i realized that she saw that she was getting let a, let she was in the process of letting go of all the materialness of her life that she was seeing that because my dad had died several years before and she she never smiled again after dad died until she got this diagnosis. And after she did that initial crying, she smiled more and more. And it, it was so fascinating to watch that she was, she was letting society and material things get in the way of her being able to experience her best life while she was here. And she finally got to toward the end. And it, it was kind of beautiful to observe that. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that death, we have to surrender and accept that. Mm -hmm. In this physical domain, we will die. There's no way, I mean, Jesus died, Buddha died, Bruce Lee died, Mother Teresa died, all the great ones died. This physical body, it, 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 we're gonna die. It's, it's, it's a realm of three we're in the realm of duality, the realm of uh, impermanent, temporary existence. And so I think one of the things we have to surrender to is the nature of reality in this dimension. In another dimension, you know, the level of the soul, we're beyond death, beyond birth, we're infinite, but this body will die. 
we will return back to the earth is the only guarantee from the moment we're born. And I think the sooner we accept that and grieve that and embrace that, it frees us up. The more we deny death, I think the more we deny life. And if we can accept and embrace and surrender to that reality, the more it frees us up to, to live life fully and yes. make the most of every moment. And I think death reminds us, like when my mother passed, I got to spend that year with her and I did things with her that I never did because I thought I had forever with her, you know, and I thought there was infinite amounts of time and, and it really was such a profound blessing in a strange way, mm -hmm. a gift to see the preciousness of life. And I got to sit with her in chemo. I got to have tea with her. I got to take walks with her. I got to go to the park. I got to just do stuff I thought was a waste of time because I was too busy trying to inspire the planet. And I thought, why did I wait till she was dying? And, and the only regret I have in my life, and that realization would not have been possible. The only regret I have in my life was why did I wait till she was dying? And why did I not spend more time with my mom, mother? And so I think the sacred blessing of death and that limitation is it's freed me up to, to appreciate the preciousness of each moment even now so that how I live my life from that moment, you know, in my relationships is to love more fully and to savor each moment and to be, you know, as present as possible because I think one of the, the great griefs is to live life or get to the end of one's life and be full of regret of the mm -hmm. life, the life that wasn't lived. Because then while we were alive, we were actually dead while yes. alive. Yes. You know, and that is a real grief while living. It is. I, I have um, two examples from my two husbands who died wow. and they both died of the same thing. Uh, didn't know when I married the the last one that he was had anything at all. So it was a, a surprise, but they both were ill the last two years of their lives. And I was with them continually during those, those periods. And Jacques, the first one who died, was a bioethicist. And his whole lifelong learning journey had to do with living and dying intellectually and bringing hospice in and doing bereavement groups and doing all that sort of thing. But when he got really sick, I didn't realize it, unfortunately, till the end, that he was being in the hospital, he was having treatments that were miserable for him and going through all these physical things because he thought he was gonna get better. He thought he was doing those things to get well. And right before he died, he said, am I gonna get better? And I thought, oh my gosh, why didn't you ask me that two years ago? And we had an integral relationship. And I said, no. And within an hour, I was getting him in the car to go to dialysis. And he looked up at me with this look of shock on his face and said, oh, shit. And he was gone just like that. And I, I, it broke my heart because I thought, it, had I known, because it, it just didn't cross my mind that that was what was going on for him. And then when Ron started having symptoms and getting sick, we were in such a different place. He was a, um, a New Thought minister, and we very much believed in living in the moment and making the best of 
everything that we could. And his his last week was the most beautiful thing I ever saw. And he transitioned so peacefully. And it was because of his perspective on the whole thing. And so for me, I'm I just want people to know that you can have a lot of control over how you feel about what's going on. And that can make your life so much more beautiful, so much easier than resisting. That's I think why you're, why I was drawn to your book on surrender Mm -hmm. to, to read first, because when, when you let go of that resistance, Mm -hmm. then only beauty and love remains. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean life is perfect or life mm-hmm. is always easy. That's I right. think, look, you, you can't really control what happens in life in so many ways, but you can at least do your best to control how you respond and the meanings that you make up and what you make things mean. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think that's, that's the level of control that we have, you know, and the meanings that we make things mean and how we respond also affects life in a certain mm-hmm. way. And so, yeah, I, I, I really believe that the real password to freedom, if we want to be free, is to surrender. Yes. You know, and trust. And, and sometimes when things don't go according to plan or when we lose something or someone or a relationship and what can seem like the worst thing from the ego's perspective. Yes. Because the ego's perspective is in many ways can be the best thing but we're just not able to see it in that moment. And so I think it's important too. What's helped me is to trust that life is always working for your highest good. Yes. Even if you can't see it right now. Mm -hmm. And and many times the dots will only get connected after the fact. And then you look back and you go, oh, that's why I needed to get fired. Or, oh, that's why... Or if you look back at a relationship, maybe someone listening, a relationship that you really wanted, that you thought this was the one, it didn't work out, you were heartbroken. But now, five years later, you look back and think, thank God that didn't work out. Wow. That's right. (laughs) So I say sometimes not getting what you want or things not going according to plan, which can be a source of grief, can be actually grace, grace of life, of this intelligent, you know, universe in many ways. And, and, And the other thing I would say that that, might help people is I think when we realize that we are a soul, mm-hmm. first and foremost, that we are a soul, not just this physical one-dimensional body. We are a soul. We incarnate into this human experience, into this domain. We incarnate in order to learn, to grow, to evolve. Then all of life really is a university, mm-hmm. uh, an evolutionary opportunity and university for our soul's evolution. And when we start seeing life that way, we look at life differently. We shift our paradigm and relationship to life from a sense of this is happening and that's happening and this is happening and that's happening and this is happening and why is this happening to me? And we shift our relationship to life. And then we're able to use every experience for our soul's growth and evolution, realizing that every relationship, every situation, every breakup, every death, every heartbreak is really serving our awakening, serving the evolution of our soul so that when we go through something, even if it's painful and heartbreaking, challenging, when we look at it from that evolutionary soul standpoint, if life is a classroom, then we can start asking ourselves, not like, why is this happening to me from a victim standpoint, but why is this happening? Mm -hmm. As in, what is the lesson? 
that my yes. soul is seeking to learn in this divorce, in this death, in this breakup. And I think when we really focus on the lesson and learn the lesson, it can help us move through some of the stagnation and stuckness and grieving as well. Absolutely. Well, you've given us so much to think about and uh, do, and I appreciate you so much coming uh, to, to talk to us today. And you wanted to mention something about our website, your website. We will yeah, have it just, in the show notes for sure. Just, so. if, just if people want to, to, to connect and have been inspired, it's been a beautiful conversation. So thank you for your welcome and just your love and your presence. And, you know, I can really feel the sincere love that, emanates from your heart in the conversation so thank you for that and and so if anyone wants to connect my main my main website is kootblackson k-u-t-e dot com you can find out about my events there twice a year i do a, a very special event in bali uh, that's mm-hmm. www.boundlessplusbali.com and come say hi on instagram kootblackson or facebook kootblackson wonderful thank you so much for being here and i'm i'm going to think a whole lot more and can't wait to get back to finishing your other book. (laughs) I just love the first one that I read so much and I encourage everybody else to read those too. So thank you very much. And uh, I'll see my listeners again next week. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.